Welcome to Seeking Christ in the Scriptures, the teaching and preaching podcast from McConnell Road Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. My name is Matthew Tilly, and I'm the pastor of McConnell Road Baptist, and we're glad that you've joined us for this podcast. If you'd like to learn more about the church, please visit us online at mcconnellroadbaptist.org. The incident here is that Jesus has some friends. I think as best as I can tell from the scripture that I think these were, these were the kind of friends that um, they just liked each other. They just enjoyed one another. Y'all have, maybe some of y'all don't have friends like this, but some, most of us have friends like this, and we just like to be around them. You know, we just like them, they just like us, and like to hang out together. I think this is what Jesus had with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, this, these brothers and sisters, they were uh, siblings. And um, they sent word to him in uh, the first part of this. I'm skipping over verse, verses 1 to 16. They sent word to Jesus, hey, Lazarus is sick. Your friend you need to come help him, and um, it, it's an unusual circumstance. But Jesus decided to wait two days. It says he waited there for two more days. He told his disciples. Of course, Mary and Martha didn't know this, but he told his disciples. I think it's in verse four where he says, "This is not a sickness unto death, but this is something that is going to glorify the Lord, to glorify God." So there was a bigger purpose in this. But he does finally make his way to Mary and Martha. And that's where we pick up the story in verse 17. Those of you that are here with us, I'd like to ask you to stand out of reverence for the reading of the Lord's words. We're going to read from chapter 11, verse 17, down to verse 28. And here's what the scripture tells us. Then when Jesus came, he found that he, and he's of course speaking of Lazarus, he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany, which is where their home was, was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary her sister secretly, saying, The Master is come, and he calleth for you, for thee. Let's pray together. Lord, help us to hear your voice, your word in your scripture. Help us to hear your voice calling us, calling us to look to Jesus for what what we need. And oh, do we need so much but help us to see it in our Savior. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I remember as a a little boy sitting at the dinner table, I would, uh, Mama would fix something, especially if she fixed something a little unusual, something I hadn't seen before, and I would look down at it and say, what's that? 
And I would say it exactly like that. Just disgusted, disdainful, disrespectful, to be honest with you. Uh, disrespectful. And I said it while I'm sitting at Mama's table, despite the fact that Mama had fixed this for me. She prepared it for me. It was exactly what I needed. My young body needed the calories and the protein and all that stuff in there to, to grow. And it was, most of the time, my Mama fixed pretty good food. It usually was exactly what my mouth needed because it tasted good. And even if it was terrible, and even if I hated it, as far as I know, nobody else was offering me dinner. It was, the sat, it was, it was offering my hunger its satisfaction, and nobody else was going to do that, but my mama was doing that right then. Now again, most of the time it was pretty good, don't get me wrong. If anybody talks to my mama, tell her I love her cooking. So that wasn't the problem. <laughs> but that's kind of the reaction that Martha has here in with Jesus. And, and, and she says a lot of good things, but do, don't miss this, that she has a death in her family, verse 17. She, uh, Lazarus has died, and Jesus is now coming, but Lazarus has been dead for four days. I, I think if you read what she says in verses 19, 20, and 21, I think she's pretty happy that Jesus is there. I don't think she's upset about that. Uh, she would have liked him to have been there a little bit earlier, but she's not upset about it. And I think she even has some faith. She says in verse 22, I know that even now whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. She says the right thing. She says, I, I believe that you can do whatever you want to do. You can make this thing happen. But nonetheless, she is doing what I think most of us would do if we had lost someone that's close to us. She's grieving. She's hurting. And, and, and she is so in grief and so hurting that she can't quite see how this story is going to end. Now, now you and I do. Y'all went to Sunday school. Some of you did, went to Sunday school. You, you, you've heard this story. You, you, you saw Veggie Tales or something. You know, you know something about this story. You know Jesus makes the man come back to life. In verse 44, for those, those handful of you that might not know that, if you were to go to verse 44, Jesus does go up to the tomb. He says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus, I don't know how he did it, but he got out of that tomb. I can tell you how he did it. He did it by the power of the Holy Spirit. He came out of that tomb. That's what happened. But we know that. But Martha didn't know that. She was in the middle of her trouble. She was in the middle of her circumstance. She was right in the middle of it. And all she can feel is the pain and the suffering and the loss and the hurt. Now isn't that like it is for us? We're in the middle of our troubles. Right now, we can, with bravery and boldness, declare what we think is going to happen with this virus but none of us knows nobody does shoot i don't even think the government officials know nobody knows how this thing is going to turn out now in a couple of days in a couple of weeks a couple of years we're going to look back at this and it'll be a funny story it'll be an interesting tale you remember that time when we were all afraid to do this, that, and the other thing, when they all ran out of toilet paper? I mean, you'll, you'll remember all that. What in the world's wrong with people? Anyway. <laughs> but the point is, when you're in the middle of it, you can't see that. You don't know what's going to happen. 
Now, again, I will tell you, you look back, you're going to have a story to tell. It's going to be funny. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be heartrending. It's going to be compelling. You're going to have a fun time, an interesting time, reminiscing about that moment. And it may not be this one. It may have been another hard situation. When you look back, we, we were talking to Harrison last night. Harrison and Rachel were at the house, and we were talking to them just about all the things. In the middle of it, I, I didn't know how we were going to survive Harrison as a baby and a toddler. But looking back on it, they make some interesting stories now. But that's how it is. When you're, when you're in the middle of it, you don't know what you need, but you can look back later, but you don't know that now. And this passage, I believe, is given to us in part to tell us that the thing that we need, the one that we need, if I can put a better point on it, is right here, right now. He's exactly what you need. You don't know what he's going to do. You don't know how he's going to work it out. You don't know what he's going to do, but he is here and he is available because Jesus does exactly what we need. He does exactly what we need. So because of that, we need to depend on his power. Now, now, <laughs> the funniest thing in the world about this story to me is Jesus coming to the funeral and he is offering life at a funeral. Now, when I go to a funeral and I come, and, and as some of you that I've been able to try to, to give at least a little bit of comfort to when you've had a, lost, a loved one that, has, that you've lost, I, I will come by and I will try to comfort you. I might pray with you. I, I might, you know, we might cry together. I might talk with you about the situation. But I can promise you, I have never been able to promise. I have not even been able to offer life to that, to that love, that family that has lost love. And I can't do it. In fact, it would actually be disrespectful for me to even try. But Jesus, on the other hand, he's showing up. It's funny because in verse 19 it says many of the Jews, and that word Jews is really kind of a term for the religious leaders of the day. This is when all the preachers are showing up. Now, y'all know how that happens? Somebody, maybe y'all don't have to, maybe y'all are too embarrassed to admit it, but you know how we preachers do. Minute, minute somebody dies, minute all that happens, you know, we, we, we try. We're trying to comfort, we do it in good spirit, but we all show up. We all show up, and we're all doing what we try to do, and that's what they're doing. All these preachers are showing up. But again, they're doing the same, the rate, same thing the rest of them do. Hope, you're, hope we can help you, any way we can help you. We love you, we care for you. Again, intended well. But Jesus, what does he bring to this? Look with me in verse 25. I am the resurrection and the life. He's not bringing hope. He's not bringing help. He's bringing life to the funeral. He's going to the one who is dead, who is gone, who is grieved over, who is, who is going to be buried. He says, that person, I'm coming to bring them life. There's nothing more in this world. Now, I, I, I want to I make sure you, you I want to say this. I want you to hear what I'm saying. If you lose somebody, there is nothing more in this world that you would love more than anything than to have them back again. Now, understand if they had sickness or hurt, you didn't want that to come back. I understand that. But when you lose them, that's what you want. Now, if you didn't want them back, maybe you didn't like them to start with. That's another problem. But let's assume that you liked them, that you wanted them. You, nothing in this world. Now, you want the sickness gone, you want the pain gone, but you want them. You miss them. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you exactly what you need in this situation. There's death. What does he bring? The resurrection and the life. But, but this story is about a man being raised from the dead, but, but I think it's a symbol or it's an indicator of who Jesus is and what he does. He brings exactly what the situation calls for. 
He's not bringing condolences. He's not bringing promises. He's not even really bringing help. He's providing exactly what the situation calls for. This situation called for, there's a, somebody dead. He's the resurrection and the life. We need better government. I don't need to vote in a better person. I need the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's exactly what we need. If we're sick, yes, we're going to try to go to the doctor. We're going to get some medicine. We're going to take therapy. We're going to do what they say. We're going to try. But you know what I need? I don't need help. I need the great physician. When I'm worried, I don't need somebody to say it's going to be okay, it's all right. I need somebody who is the Prince of Peace. When I don't know what the future is going to hold, when I don't know what decision to make, should we do this, should we do that, I don't need some advice. I need the wonderful counselor. I don't really like that pastor. Don't like what he's doing. Don't like the, don't like the way he preaches. I don't need advice. I need the chief shepherd. I'd like to be loved, to feel loved. I need the one who actually defines what love is, shows us love with his life. I have sin. My sin will send me to hell. My sin will be shame that I carry around. My sin will drag me in down to the depths of despair. I need one, not that is going to make me feel better, or tell me my sin isn't that bad. I need one who is my propitiation, the satisfaction for my sin. What I need you to see is that Jesus has the power you need, exactly what your situation calls for. And that divine power is available to us. Why in the world would we depend on anything else? Now, again, don't, don't get me wrong. Don't, don't hear what I'm saying the wrong way. I'm not saying that you don't need to take reasonable measures. You're going you're gonna to feed your, you're going you're gonna, to gonna go eat, your, eat some food, feed your face. When you're hungry, you're going to do that, I understand, but you're going to trust on God to supply those needs. You're, you're going to go to the doctors and take the medicine, but you're going to trust the Lord to be the one who heals. This is what I'm saying because you see these half measures will never satisfy. You need comfort, you need hope, in this time right now, maybe you need that. There may be some that are watching us who need comfort, who need hope. That hope and that comfort will not come through food. It will not come through drugs. It will not come through alcohol. It will not come through pornography. It will not come from a stockpile that you have in a back closet somewhere. It will not come from the guns that you, that you have and you hold. It will not come from any material thing on this world. But you can turn to the one who the Bible tells me in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3, 4, and 5, who is the God of all comfort. The God of all comfort. He is the one from whence comfort can, can, can come. I don't want to lie to you and sort of blow smoke in your direction to suggest that your problems aren't that big of a deal. Your problems are probably insurmountable. And I can guarantee you they're insurmountable for me. I, can't, I can barely deal with my own problems. I definitely can't deal with yours. Your problems may well be insurmountable, but you know there is one, and his name is Jesus, who has exactly what your problems require. You need to depend on his power. He is the resurrection. He is the life. The problem is we're missing the real gift of Jesus. See, a lot of us in this world, and maybe even in this room, we want the blessings, we want the power, we want the gifts of Jesus. 
But as, as Isaiah says, there's no form or comeliness, and when we shall see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. We're like the Israelites in the desert. God said, I'll send you some bread. You said, you're hungry, I'm going to send you bread. They walk out their tents the next morning, and there's bread on the ground, and they look at it, and they say, what's that? Mm, what's that? That's literally, that? By the way, that's what the word manna means. What is it? <laughs> we don't know what it is, so we're just going to call it. What is it? That's literally what it means. That's what we do with Jesus. We are worshiping and serving the creature. We're more upset that we're not going to get to watch the NCAA tournament. We're more upset that our kids can't go to school. We're more upset that Church is a little more inconvenient than it might have been in the past. We're more upset about those things because we're ultimately worshiping not God himself, but those things that we've been able to enjoy for so long. But his power isn't the gift, not really. He has the power. He does anything he wants to do. But you know what his gift really is? He is the gift. Go back to that verse, verse 25. He doesn't say, I'm bringing the resurrection and the life. He doesn't say, I've got the resurrection and the life. He's not saying, I got something here for you. Would you like this? He literally says, I am the resurrection and the life. It's more than power that's available to us. We have God himself that is available to us. He is available to us. Unfortunately, what we want to do is we want to divorce the power and the person. God, I want your stuff. I want your things. I want what you can do for me. Make me feel better. Fix me. Fix my problem. But I don't really want much to do with you. But you see, Jesus is, as even Martha says in verse 27, she says, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ. That's not a throwaway phrase that she's using there. She is actually acknowledging that he is the Messiah. He is the anointed one for whom the entire world aches. No one else, nothing else will do. She was saying in that phrase, thou art the Christ, that no political system would do, no politician would do, no government would do, no feeling, no religious system, no ritual, no vaccine, no cure, nothing else would do, not his power, but his person. She said, I need you more than anything else that we need. This is what we've got to see, is that his power, as great as it is, I don't need his power. I need him. I need him. There's a song that goes, the arm of flesh will fail you. You dare not trust your own, is the phrase in that song. It echoes back to Revelation chapter 16. If you were to go to look at that, phrase, that, that chapter of the Bible, it will show you that the human body one day will completely, completely fail us. And I'm not just talking about in your own life. Your own life, we're all going to face death. We understand that. But he's saying on, in Revelation chapter 16, it's actually a prediction of the future where there will be a time where people's bodies will absolutely turn against them. That's what it says. I don't know. Maybe we're on the front end of that. I don't know. I have no idea. Maybe this is just a little preview of what might happen in the future. But not only the human body fails us, but our oceans will fail us. Our air will fail us, our governments will fail us, and even the sun that we can look up and we even tell time by, the sun will fail us. There's going to come a time where everything in the 
human natural world is going to fail. I don't want to wait till then to have to call on the man who can change everything. I want to look not for his might or his miracles. I want the man, the man, the God-man, Christ Jesus. I want him. I don't want the false hope of temporal help. And there are plenty of people that will give you that. Plenty of books, plenty of movies, plenty of internet sites, plenty of things that say, you try this, it's going to make you feel better. It's going to fix your problem, but those are nothing more than slick would-be messiahs when you will never get the help you need. You need Jesus. And you may say, well, Matthew, I'm already saved. I'm already a Christian. Well, that's great. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're a Christian. Thank the Lord. We're brothers and sisters. We can say amen together. We can do that. But please know that you still need Jesus. You need to know him. You need to enjoy him. You need to spend time with him. You need to walk with him. And you say, well, I don't know what you're talking about. What do you mean? I mean, you need to just spend a little bit of time with Jesus. Maybe when you're in the house, instead of picking up your cell phone, put that down and just talk to the Lord a little bit. Maybe instead of just going out for a walk to talk with somebody, maybe you just need to go by yourself and just talk to the Lord. Maybe instead of getting in your car, turning on the radio, maybe you just need to say, Lord, let me just talk to you right now. Do you have to do that all the time? That's not what I said. I said simply, you need to spend some time with the Lord. Because you're sitting here, I think many of us, and myself included, we can get to those points where we're in that dire strait. Lord, now I need some help, and he'll help you. Thank the Lord he's got that promise. He said he'd help you. When you're in trouble, you just call out to him. But wouldn't it be awesome if before you got into that situation, you would have been talking and walking with him all along, and he's a friend, he's a loved one, he's, he's close to you, and now you're in trouble and you say, Lord, you saw this coming all along, but could, could you help me out on this one? And that'd just be as natural as talking to your friend, to your loved one, to your wife, to your husband, it would be just as natural but unfortunately, some of us don't even have a we don't even have conversations with the with with the God with our God with our Lord. We don't even talk to Him until something all falls apart. But we need to understand that we need to enjoy our God, enjoy Jesus, because it's His person that we need, not just His power. Now, to bring this home for you, I got you, this is kind of all that is almost by way of introduction because I need you to get you to see this part right here. We're talking about Martha. And she knows that Jesus has power over her problems. I do want you to look with me in verse 22. She says, I know even now whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. She knows that God has power. She knows that Jesus is the one who has the power over her situation. She knows that. She's even anticipating heaven one day. Go to verse 24. She says, I know that he, speaking of her brother, shall rise again in the resurrection at that last day. She has no doubt about that. She knows that whenever it's all over with, the trump sounds that her brother is going to come out of the grave and meet the Lord in the air. She is confident in that. By the way, some of us need to have that kind of confidence, just so you know. I'm about to fuss at her about something, but I just want you to know this one. She's got this right. We need to have that kind of confidence. She even, as I've already pointed out in verse 27, she accepts that Jesus is the one. He is the Christ. He is the one that the world wants. But does she really believe? In fact, even Jesus says in verse 26, look with me. And he says right at the end, the end of the, the phrase, last four, three words, believest thou this? What is he asking? He said, I'm, I'm the resurrection. I'm the life, he says. If you, if you believe on me, if you do that, you'll never die. Do you believe this, she, he asks her. 
Do you really believe that I am what your situation needs? Or do you really believe it's for some other day? Look at what she says in verse 24. I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Verse 27, she talks about he's the Christ. He is this figure that has been promised from time, from time in the past. In verse 28, I want you to see what happens. We can really see the state of her mind here in verse 28, where he says there, after she had said everything, she goes calling to marry her sister secretly, saying, the master is come and calleth for thee. I believe she believes this on one level, but she's sort of thinking it's for another day. It's just for spiritual things. And really, somebody else needs him more than I do. I need you all to hear me very clearly, very plainly, and I'm just going to speak to you as best as I know how, just as straight as I know how. Jesus, yes, is for the world. He's for everybody. Jesus will save us in those last days. Yes, he will. Heaven is my home. Looking forward to that. But I need you to know that Jesus is for you right here, right now, in your situation that you're dealing with. Some of you, I think, have gotten, and, and I think it comes from a right place, that you're spiritually strong, and you got, I've got this all, I'm good, I got this, I believe in the Lord, and I'm glad that you do. But sometimes, if, if you're honest with yourself, in that, in that moment whenever nobody else is watching, you got, there's something working on your soul, and you said something's not right. That bluster doesn't help you then. You need the Lord. You need to count on him then. You need to count on him now. He is available right now, right here for your real pain. Mark, or excuse me, Matthew chapter 1 in verse 34, it says that his name is Emmanuel. That means he's God with us. He is with us. We can, as Peter says, cast our cares, all of our cares on him because he actually cares for us. He actually does care for us. That means not just when we die. Yes, trust him when you die. Believers, you know this. You need to preach this gospel. People need to trust Jesus so that when they die, they can go to heaven. But don't just don't wait to trust him till then. Trust him now with your health problems, with your emotional issues, with those bills that you have to pay, with the pain that you're feeling, with the sadness in your soul, with, with the whole world panicking, with the whole world worrying. Don't say, they need Jesus, you need Jesus. You need him. And I'm going to tell you the reason I'm emphatic about it is because I need him. I need him this morning. I need the Lord. I can sit here and I can scoff. I can sit here and say, they need it. It's going to be another day. Whenever one of these days, I need you to know I'm in the middle of this. You're in the middle of this. We're all in this. And we are supposed to be able to trust the one who has world-changing power. Now we say it. We say it. And I say it alongside of you, but do we feel it? I will tell you that you need to not say, well, that's for somebody else. That's for another day. That's something that's going to happen later. It's only for my spiritual problems. No, 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 no. Jesus is available right here, right now, for what you need in this moment. Now, what do you need? I don't know what you need. I don't know the answer to that. 
But no matter what the answer is for you, Jesus is the exact solution to that problem. You know he's come to save the world. You know that your friends need him. You know that you have a home in heaven one day, but you need him here and you need him now. Jesus has and he is world-changing power. Thank you for joining us for Seeking Christ in the Scriptures, the teaching and preaching podcast from McConnell Road Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. I'm Pastor Matthew Tilley, and I'm so glad you joined us here. But if you'd like to learn more about the church, please visit us online at mcconnellroadbaptist.org.